Thanks for tuning in. We've got a great show tonight with singer-songwriter Jonathan Brooke. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. We have a lady who writes songs and sings and is quite artistic and uh, recently moved to Minneapolis. Her and I have a couple of connections that I'm going to tell her about as we get started. She's got a show called The Cello Project coming up at the Dakota Jazz Club on uh, Wednesday, September 7th. And I would like to welcome the lovely Miss Jonathan Brooke to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Paul. I'm so excited to be here. What an honor. Well, you and I have a couple of connections. In 1990, when you were with your duo, The Story, you were on a uh, High Street Records, which was a Wyndham Hill subsidiary label, on a record called uh, Legacy 2. Do you remember that? Oh my goodness, yes, and I can't remember what song it was. I'll tell we... you what song it was. I was <laughs> oh my I had, God, you know? <laughs> I had my song, Slow Justice On, it was track six. Your track seven with the story was Damn Everything But The Circus. Oh my goodness, we're actually doing that song with the Cello Songs Project. <laughs> that's great. That, that's phenomenal, and I want to tell you my personal connection. That was the name of my high school band. Damn, Damn everything but the circus? Yep. Started, of course, from an E.E. E. Cummings poem. And, uh, yeah, we rocked that band for about three and a half years. And so when I was on that uh, uh, Legacy 2 on High Street Records, and you guys came up, very next track was Damn Everything But The Circus. I knew the universe was uh, moving my direction there for a moment or two. That is totally a sign. That's amazing. <laughs> Because I got the title from my mom, who was a poet and a writer. My dad was a journalist, and my mom had this station. She was obsessed with poems, but especially with E.E. E. Cummings, and she had that as her letterhead on her stationery, was oh. this little sort of, you know, lowercase, of course, because it was E.E. Sure. E. Cummings, and it was Damn Everything But The Circus. And then later on, she became a clown. She actually went to clown school and became a clown, which was, you know, irony of all ironies. Oh, my God. Is she still with us? Uh, no, she passed away in uh, 2012. Well, now the next time I'm in Minneapolis, now that uh, you and yours are official residents, I've got a poster I'm going to bring for you with uh, my buddy made in high school, and it's damn everything but the circus, and you might have room in your garage for it somewhere. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> no, I'll frame it, and I'll put it up in my studio. Oh, that's <laughs> phenomenal. Now, Jonathan Brooke... Uh, you grew up on the East Coast, correct? Yes, I am a Boston grown-up girl. Oh, yep. nice. I'm, what a wonderful place for an artist to grow up, the city of Boston. 
It was a really great place, especially, you know, right after college, I moved back to, to Boston and, and started singing in all the, you know, church basements. It's a great place to get your get your stage vibe going, you know, because sure. every church in the, in the New England area has a coffee house on the weekends. And so um, my band, The Story, and I, you know, Jennifer Kimball and I, my partner in The Story, um, just would pl- be playing all the time in those little venues. And it was really great training. <laughs> Did you get a chance to play at uh, at Passims? We played there quite a bit, yeah. Wonderful. And then there was this other place right around the corner in Harvard Square called the Nameless Coffee House. That okay. was like, you know, right after the AA meetings, there would be like an open mic night, and we would right. show up for that. That's fantastic. I um, I had visited. I was out there for a wedding and went to uh, the Plow and Star one night and heard a guitar player. And the Plowman Star was on my radar because uh, uh, one of the world's greatest folk singers who's lived in Minneapolis most of his life, Spider John Kerner, that was his gig. When he'd go out of Minneapolis, he'd go to uh, the Plowman Star and play. And has a, built a, an incredible following. Do you, have you bumped into Spider John since you moved to Minneapolis? I have not, but I, sh- I suppose I should get out and about more. And I'm wondering if the Plow and Stars is actually still around. It's, I, I, it may still be there. Yeah, who knows? I haven't been there in years. Although I did do a gig or two at the Rat in Ken- Kenmore Square as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then probably <laughs> one of my biggest claims to fame, and we'll get done talking about Paul Metzen here in a second, start talking about Jonathan Brooke. But I also <laughs> opened up Mary Black's last show of her tour, the Irish songstress, uh, probably, you know, I consider the Emmy Lou Harris of Ireland at the Berkeley Performing Arts Center. Uh, oh, that's a great place to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've played there too. Yeah. Did you ever play at Sanders Theater in Harvard Square? No, but I've heard of that. Yeah, that was a gorgeous place too. So now, when did you, how long, I, I was looking at your discography today, Jonathan Brooks, you've got at least 15 records out from both with the story and under your own name. Yeah. You're a a hardworking gal. (laughs) I've been pretty busy, I would say, over the years. Yeah, for sure. Um, And you were on MCA Records for a minute or two as as well, weren't you? I had uh, two major label things on Electra with the story, and then I had two other major label records on MCA, uh, Plum, my first solo record, and then Ten Cent Wings, which is kind of my, I guess that's my, well, it's my favorite, I have to say, even though I love them all like children. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went independent after my second MCA record because what do they know? What do they and, know? Uh, and it was kind of and then, uh, reading on Wikipedia today. It was kind of a nightmare. I think you described it from being a, a princess on the throne to nobody at MCA would return your phone calls. Yeah, it was a, it was one of those harsh. I mean, everybody has a great major label story, and then you celebrate and you go indie, and you're so much happier and better off in the yeah. end. But um, it was kind of a brutal dismissal because my, I had a song that was charting on the radio right in the middle of a national tour, and that was when they happened to decide to move on and it just seemed pretty vindictive that you know they called radio in fact to tell them to stop playing my single which is called secrets and lies and uh sure enough i'm like all right well 
I'm going to cry a little bit, have a little dinner party for me and Wendy and Lisa and Michelle and Diggiacello, you know, because we've all been dropped at least a couple times right, by a major right, label. Right, right. And then I will get back out there and start my own label and make a record. And we had great success after that, actually, as an indie. You know, Jonathan, we also, you won't remember it because you met thousands of people in your uh, st storied career, no pun intended, is... Um, I believe you were out at the 2004 Future of Music Coalition conference at, I believe it was at George Washington University. Does that ring a bell? Um, yes, it does. Were you there too? You and I had a conversation in the lobby. We were staying at the same hotel. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I just remember... Um, I, uh, he shall rem remain nameless because he was from the Electronic Frontier Foundation and he had this very um, dismissive attitude about the internet and the future of music and how like streaming was going to level the playing field and we'd all be just fine and oh. streaming wasn't going to be a threat. And he's like, well, you can sell t-shirts. And he threw a $20 bill at me. Oh man. And I was so offended. And I was just like, Oh my God, you have no, you just have no idea what it's like doing what I do, you trying to make a living. And, and now music is free and you're telling me that's good. Oh, you, you should have <laughs> knocked him out. <laughs> well, it was quite a scene. <laughs> so how did the uh, running your own label, I, I have uh, my own label at MaximumFolk.com, uh, and I put out several of my own records, all of which I like to brag have gone linoleum, but I <laughs> know how hard it is running your, it's hard enough just being a performing musician, but tell us about, how you grappled with the beast of running your own record label. And what is the name of the label? My label is called Bad Dog Records. Uh, for no good reason, except that I had two very naughty dogs back in the day when I started it. Uh, but it, it is a beast running your own label. You have to wear all the hats and you have, you know, way shallower pockets than when you're on MCA or Electra. So it was on the one hand freeing. I could make all the decisions and have all of the, you know, the joy of, of control and then <laughs> way less money to pay the piper. So we were very lucky early on. My first indie record we put out was called Steady Pull and we had really good success and that kind of cemented me in the indie world. We had a top five record at AAA Radio with a song called Linger and um, we basically spent all the money we made. I think we sold like a hundred grand, maybe 130,000 records wow. and we just put it right back into the business because we're like, all right, this is a good start. Let's let's just go for it. You know, we got on Letterman and Conan and Craig Kilborn and Stephanie, I forget her last name. But we did all this amazing stuff, and that's when the major labels are like, hey, they sort of called me back at one point, and were like, well, how did you pull that off? And we're like, sorry, not interested. Yeah, we right. did it ourselves, and I guess we don't need y'all anymore. Well, good for you. Now, is the, uh, this new record, uh, the cell, uh, Cello Project, is that uh, going to be out around, is this a record release at the Dakota on September 7th? Oh, I wish we were that organized, but uh, no, it's not. We're hoping to record sometime in the fall. So um, this will be a like a, a tasting menu, a, a premiere of, of what we've been working on for the Dakota people on 7th. And then hopefully we'll be able to garner some support and um, a budget to record the songs after that. I love the way you're going about that. Now tell us about the performers the night of 
the uh, concert at the Dakota Jazz Club, the Cello Project, uh, right down on 10th and Nicollet. I played there several times myself. Love the club. It's such a great vibe there, and Lowell Pickett is such an amazing supporter of local artists, um, including myself. You know, the second I moved here, he kind of opened the door to me and, and gave me this ongoing residency. So this time is the Cello Songs Project, and it's uh, me and the String Genius Quartet, String Quartet, and these amazing arrangements that Adi Yashaya has created for the quartet playing on a bunch of my songs, but also a world premiere of a string quartet that he wrote for the quartet itself. And then we've got local luminaries, Jeff Bailey on bass, and we've got Abby Wolf and Linnea Mon on vocals and uh, a New York guy who plays here a lot, Benny Kunievsky on um, percussion. So it's, it's, it's just local basically royalty <laughs> yeah no doubt and it was uh uh abby wolf has done such incredible work with dessa among others oh, she's incredible yeah yeah so now what made you move to minneapolis <laughs> well i think we were burned out on new york and you know strangely it was good timing because you know it was just like a year and a half two years before the pandemic when we got here and this was a much better place to be for sure. Um, my, my husband, full disclosure, grew up here. So I had, I'd visited quite a bit and I wasn't afraid of winter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So, and we were able to live here, you know, buy a really sweet house and afford to live for about half the money we were spending in New York. And that can't beat that. Well, when I lived in, uh, Rigo Park in uh, end of 95 into 96 and I loved it it's going to bring up the next person we have in common but anywhere you're on the street in New York you're giving money or in a cafe or a restaurant or bar you're giving somebody money to be there you know yeah whether it, yeah. whether it's a maitre d a homeless guy a bartender you're always reaching into your wall to give some, somebody money the reason I went out there was uh, a friend of mine had sent a cassette to a woman you worked with, and I want to hear all about it. She sent me a letter that I got on Christmas Eve day in actually 1994. Your friend and mine, Miss Nora Guthrie. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Amazing. And I was out there when they were putting the uh, Woody Guthrie archives together. I was there the week they got the actual manuscript for this land is your land which was like holding the magna carta as you can well imagine but how absolutely did, how did your connection with nora and tell us about the uh, come about and tell us about the project you did with her uh what a yeah that was just a, an amazing stroke of luck really i nora hadn't heard of me uh i think this is back in like 2000 maybe and I was invited to just peruse the archives maybe find a couple of lyrics that I would put to music for a benefit in Philadelphia for the Folk Song Society and Nora was very involved with that project and um, when I finally met her and went through the archives and you know chose the lyrics that I chose we just we really hit it off she's a former modern dancer I'm a former modern dancer we have the same goofy body sense of humor and 
it just became apparent that I needed to dig a little deeper and make a, a record of Woody's words and my music. And she said, well, come on in, man, it's time. And I think you're the first chick that should do it. So, Oh, what an uh, honor, Jonathan. Yeah. So I made this record. I called it The Works. And I brought in like the A team of A teams, uh, Steve Gadd on drums, Joe Sample on keyboards. Wow. Greg Lease on pedal steel, Christian McBride upright bass. It was just a ridiculous scene, and we recorded uh, ten songs, and it's just one of my favorite things I've ever done. And didn't you have the great uh, Bruce Springsteen's uh, engineer and producer Bob Clearmountain helm that project? Yep, I did. Yes, I am l so lucky. Bob and I met uh, on my first record uh mca record uh tencent wings he mixed that one and we've been buddies ever since and he has championed my work and um mixed most of my records since then and he engineered and mixed the works and it was just a dream wow you're standing on the shoulders of giants all the way around with that crew. <laughs> i am a very lucky girl oh, yeah oh yeah see what uh uh as long as we're talking about uh, Nora and Woody Guthrie, I'm going to grab a song that, that we'll play. What one would you suggest? Well, I think one of the most lovely thing I found in the archives was this song called My Flowers Grow Green. Beautiful. Because uh, Woody just seamlessly could shapeshift and write from any perspective. And this song is very particularly from a woman's perspective. And he just, he nailed it. And it's this very romantic longing song of, uh, you know, a woman who's, whose man has gone away. Let's listen to My Flowers Grow Green, written by Woody Guthrie, performed by my guest, Jonathan Brooke. My flowers grow green so pretty to see my true love has promised to come back to me he promised to stay for a lifetime through and change my sad flowers the red, white, and blue He held me and kissed me And he swore he'd be mine When he came back last trip From the deep, salty That I told him I cared And a bouquet of new hope He tied in my hair My roses of summer My violets for spring Forget me not blue On my cheeks like a ring Buttercups and daisies Peeping so shy Nobody can love you 
sad sea And you'll never kiss another Flowers Grow Green by my guest Jonathan Brooke doing a Woody Guthrie song. Jonathan, have you uh, gotten a copy of the new Woody Guthrie book with all the songs, lyrics, letters, paintings, and drawings? I did, yep. Is it phenomenal or am I kidding myself? It's gorgeous. And it uh, is a, it's a great pair with the original book with his lyrics and paintings and stuff that Nora also uh uh, what's the word when you <laughs> she compiled it yeah. um, So it, and the first one is, is where I absolutely fell head over heels in love with Woody because I learned so much more about him than I knew from just his you know more political songs I learned about the poet and the romantic and the painter and like all the other sides of him that were so gorgeous yeah, that, um, so yeah it's, it's worth getting I, uh, I read a little bit of that several times a week uh, before I go to bed, and it's it's kind of like the New Testament for anybody who loves this country, loves the working person, uh, loves music, and loves creativity. It's just, I can't say enough about it. That is such a great way to put it. It really is. It, it does have that sort of sacred text kind of vibe to it. Absolutely. What, uh, track down uh, Woody Guthrie Publications, that ORG, buy their T-shirts, buy their books and buy their records and say hi to Nora and the lovely, her lovely daughter, Anna, who helps, uh, who helped so much with this latest project. Yeah. So what, uh, what do you do in Minneapolis when you're not uh, writing music? (laughs) Well, I walk around Lake Harriet quite a bit. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. I've done that. Yeah. I, um, I love, I'm a foodie. So, some of these restaurants here are just awesome. So I try to support the local food scene. I have to say I travel quite a bit, so I'm not out and about as much as I'd like to be. I'm a little bit of a recluse when I'm home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I just love, I love the seasons here. I love how green it is. I love all the lakes and I love... I love playing at the Dakota, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, well, and the great uh, Craig on, on doing sound, the main sound guy at the Dakota, it's, it's one of the finest sound systems and sound men in town. Oh, he's a, he's a great guy. He's, a, he's an awesome cohort. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, 
everybody out there in the Wall of Power Radio Hour land, make sure you go see my new friend, Jonathan Brooke, uh, her <laughs> show, The Cello Project, Wednesday, September 7th at the Dakota Jazz Club at 10th and Nicollet. What, uh, what time does the show start, Jonathan? I believe it starts at 7, 7.30. Okay. You know, now get there at 7, have a nice little cocktail, maybe some, you know, gumbo, and then we'll rock you up around 7.30. That sounds beautiful. Now, uh, what is your, besides the show at the Dakota, do you look forward or do you have any plans to go back out on the road and do some shows? Got a bunch of stuff happening this fall. I'm I'm uh, doing a little tour in Denmark right after the Dakota, and then I go to London, and then I have a stretch of East Coast dates with my guitar player Sean Driscoll, and then I go to Italy and I teach a gorgeous songwriting workshop at a villa outside of Florence. I know it's a terrible, terrible thing to have to do, and then I think I'm kind of home and exhausted I'm, then i'm going to take a nap yeah take a long <laughs> nap um I'm, I'm at the age where I, I i enter nap canyon at about four o'clock every day for an hour and it's keeping me keeping me at 66 years old it's keeping me having the body of it of a 65 year old thanks to the <laughs> that's awesome they say naps are essential <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> So it's so nice to speak with you. Uh, I will look forward uh, when I'm down in Minneapolis to see if you're playing. You've got to come up to where I'm living. There's a beautiful theater up here called the West Theater in Duluth that I think your show would be, whether it's solo, you and a guitar player, or you and the band that you've got, the Cello Project. You'd all be welcome there. And if you need help setting it up, the owner, Bob Boone, is a buddy of mine. We'll see what we can do. That would be awesome. That is like top of my list for next thing to do since I moved here. I have not been to Duluth yet, and I just hear it is a happening place. It's uh, I've been calling it for years a little San Francisco. It's an international port. They call it uh, Lake Superior, the uh, unsalted sea by the Zenith City. Huh. And Duluth is truly a Zenith City. Tell us, Jonathan Brooke, a little bit about this song that we're going to uh, end this part of the Wall of Power radio show on the song Imposter. Imposter is this really fun exploration. Number one, it's just one of my favorite arrangements that Adi Yeshaya ever did. Um, and it was one of my first experiences producing a song with Rebecca Ahrens, who's the my partner in the cello songs uh, adventure. Uh, she and I produced the track and it's uh, it's just a really fun exploration of imposter syndrome, which all of my favorite people struggle with. Uh, <laughs> and it basically casts me as the emperor with no clothes. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and that's imposter. The truth laid bare. Jonathan Brooke, this has been so much fun chatting with you. We're going to have a lot more to talk about when we get to gather in person. Everybody go out and see uh, Jonathan Brooke and the Cello Project Wednesday, September 7th at the Dakotas. Uh, say hi to my favorite bartenders and Craig, the sound guy. I love him to death. Jonathan, enjoy this evening and have a great gig and I look forward to meeting you. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been such a joy to talk to you. All right. Have a wonderful night. Okay. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye.
square Naked as a jaybird Vying for the spotlight Even as I feel the rush of cold air no one says a word And the one night stand Up against the wall I promise you I love you But I'll never ever call Naked as a jeep 